This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. I have to remind myself it's the Tuesday show because it's our first live show of the week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Hoping and praying you had a wonderful day yesterday. Got some rest. Um, Maybe got to do a little reading about the history of Dr. Martin Luther King and his impact on our nation. Uh, And got to spend some time with your family. That would be a really, really good day, wouldn't it? Uh, This is a program, as you know, dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions or questions about stuff going on in your life. Uh, You can call us at 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. And we had a rush of questions, so uh, if you've got new ones, get them in. Uh, You can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app as well. If you're driving in your car, I remind you, I want you to be safe. The safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Uh, Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. Everything else is hands-free, and you'll be safe. One more time, our major, our main number is 340-9585. Let me get right to questions. Praise the Lord. People have been sending some good ones. Here is a question, this one from our mobile app, uh, anonymously. It says, uh, most everyone thinks there are two angels in the Bible with names. Isn't there a third, a Baden or a Polyon in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11? Anonymous, when people say there's only two angels that, that have names, um, we're talking about the good angels. We, all, we know there is a third angel with a name, that's Lucifer, who became Satan or the devil. So those are the three angels, two good, one bad, uh, that, that we know their names. There are no other angels' name. Now, in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, this is a reference to the devil, and Abaddon or Apollyon means the same thing. It means destroyer. And it is a, a description rather than name. This is a reference to Satan. He's this powerful angel. Um, but, but this is a reference to what he's going to do. So it's a description rather than a name. But you are right. Technically, there is three angels. The bad one, of course, is Lucifer or Satan. So that's um, what he did. Here is my next question, and this is from um, Ariana. If there's little breaks here, 
mountain cedars through the roof again today, and it is affecting me, so thank you for your patience. Ariana says, what is the difference between the offerings offered to the Lord in the law, more specifically, the burnt offering and the peace offering? The sin offering seems a little more self-explanatory, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but does the sin offering represent Jesus? If so, does that make the sin offering more important than the others? Um, I don't think it makes the sin offering more important. And when you say represent, it's just a picture, the sin offering of what Jesus came to do. Now, of the other two, and those are the ones that I think, uh, especially the burnt offering, um, are, are enormously important, Ariana. The burnt offering uh, was offered uh, on the altar, whole, and was to be completely consumed. And of course, that's what Jesus did for us. Now, all of the offerings are pictures of Jesus. They don't represent him, but they're pictures of Jesus. But these other offerings are also uh, messages to us. The burnt offering is to be offered completely on the altar, and it was to be completely consumed. Now imagine how the burnt offering would have smelled when you've got all of the fat laid out on the altar and, and the flames hit it. It would have smelled beautiful, but, but in this particular case, the offering is completely consumed. Um, the picture, I think, is Romans chapter 12. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We who are believers, Ariana, in this day and age, were to be completely consumed for Jesus, totally sold out for Jesus. That's what the picture of the burnt offering was pointing to. Yes, Jesus was consumed. He gave everything to us on the cross. But our response to this, and that's what the burnt offering really is a picture of, our response is to offer everything we are, holding nothing back, our time, our talent, our treasure. Everything that we are, everything that we ever will be, is to be given completely to the Lord. Now, we think that's pretty radical. You know you don't have to be that radical to follow Jesus, but that's exactly what this offering was a picture of. The peace offering was different. The peace offering was eaten in part by the Levites. Now, the Levites were representatives of God. So when you come to make peace, this is a picture of reconciliation. The Levites, representing God, were partakers of it. The other half of the offering was to be consumed by the offerer and his family and or guests. And this is a wonderful picture of fellowship with Jesus where, where uh, we come together in reconciliation and peace between man who is hostile to God because of our sin. The King James uses the word, the old word, I love it, it's enmity. And uh, the peace offering, Jesus made a peace offering for us. And then when we come to Jesus, then um, we partake in the offering with him. Good question, Ariana. Great, great, great question. Here is my next question. This one comes from Roland. It comes from our email inbox. Roland says, Hi, Pastor Ron. What is the difference between a non-denominational church and a Baptist church? I recently moved and came across the Baptist church as good Bible-based teaching, but I previously attended a non-denominational church. I wanted to visit the Baptist church. What are your thoughts? Probably... Um, uh, Roland, visiting, you're, you're going to be fine in the Baptist church. Um, the, the one thing I don't like, the Bible-based teaching. Um, 
you know, sometimes we can take a passage of Scripture and teach a series of things based on that. Uh, as you know, if you've been listening to the program, Roland, uh, I much prefer just teaching the Bible. You know, on Sunday mornings, um, we've had uh, two very difficult Sunday Bible studies in a row here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, and I, I'm I'm going through some pretty deep stuff in in the next uh, four weeks at least um, on our Sunday services. I'd rather teach good news stuff, stuff that feels good. But the beauty of teaching through the Bible, not not Bible based, but teaching through the Bible, is that we don't miss out on anything at all. So um, um, I know that's not what you asked about the the, the teaching, but. Um, please understand that uh, uh, the Baptist Church is probably going to be fine. Now, one thing I would say is ask what their position is on Calvinism. Uh, if if they're part of the neo-Calvinist movement, which is sort of swept through the the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, I would I would avoid that church completely. Uh, not healthy. The, the, the Calvinist teaching is not. Heresy, it's just harmful, uh, and, and I, I, would, I would find something else. Now, to answer your question, the difference between a non-denominational church and a Baptist church, Calvary Chapel is a non-denominational church. We're not part of a denomination. We give no money to the non-denomination. Um, in contrast, a Baptist church uh, gives a percentage of their offerings to the Baptist Convention to be a part of that uh, and to the to, to missions boards uh, to be a part of that denomination, and then there is a statement of uh, of beliefs in the uh, denomination that they would have to adhere to. Non denominational churches are, and I use this word cautiously because I don't want to be misunderstood, but they're more entrepreneurial in the sense that we're not tied to anybody. Now, as a Calvary Chapel, I'm in affiliation with, we're in fellowship with about 1,500 other Calvary Chapels in the world, but uh, we don't answer to anybody. Um, the, 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 the Calvary Chapel organization doesn't uh, have any say-so in the way we administer our church uh, or what we do with our money, those kind of things. So the independence, I think, is really for, for us a blessing. The reason, um, uh, Roland, that it's a blessing, um, we, if, if we were paying a denomination or if we had to answer to a denomination, uh, I couldn't have a free school. I couldn't have a free doctor's office, um, uh, a free home where uh, ladies who are in difficult situations can live. A lot of the things we do uh, wouldn't pass a denominational muster. So we are independent. Uh, it's not bad to be a part of a denomination. Just be careful about the denomination. There are a lot of denominations that, as a whole, have sort of left the Bible and left uh, solid doctrine completely behind. Um, but uh, you would be pretty, uh, it would be pretty easy for you to be able to tell if you're in one of those places. So those are the differences, and it's really based uh, of uh, an issue of governance and that kind of thing as well. Good question. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls. Manny wants to know, since Jesus paid the debts for everyone's sin, why isn't everyone saved? Manny, uh, everyone can be saved. Now, that's the important thing to understand. Jesus' death was efficacious for the whole world. In other words, it was sufficient for everybody who's ever lived. 
The problem is that it is a gift offered by God. It's a gift that has to be received. So while everyone's sin debt has been paid, um, there's only born-again Christians, believers, who've made sort of the withdrawal to where that salvation is efficient. So Jesus' death is adequate for the sins of the whole world. But it's only effective for those who receive the gift. You know, if somebody buys you a birthday gift or a Christmas gift, uh, that gift absolutely has no value for you unless you open it and make it a part of your life. The same thing is true with the gift, the, the free gift of eternal life uh, offered through Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus doesn't force himself on any of us, Manny, um, but he died for everyone. And the people that refuse his free gift, the people that refuse to repent of sins and ask for forgiveness, they are the ones who are going to find themselves in a really, really um, horrible, horrible place uh, for eternity. Here is another anonymous question. He or she says, I'm afraid of missing out on God's will for me because I can't be sure of what he wants me to do. Why doesn't God make it so clear to me that I cannot mess it up? Um, Anonymous, I'm going to take a little bit of time with this because um, uh, the way I explain this usually can be a little complicated and I don't want to be misunderstood here. Uh, I tell our church here all the time that you cannot miss out on God's will if you're walking with Jesus. It's that simple. I think too often we think we need to know what God's will is. Jesus said, if you just follow me, we're going to run right into my will. So uh, it's not a matter of being sure. It's not a matter of God giving you a five-year plan or a 10-year plan or a 20-year plan or even a one-year plan. It's simply being with Jesus today, uh, having repented of any sin, making sure that that, that your heart is right with God, uh, being obedient to what God's called you to do. Uh, he's called us to share the gospel. He's called us to be kind. He's called us to be faithful, uh, whether it's in a marriage or in a job or anything else. So if you're being obedient, you are standing right in the middle of God's will. Now, the only way you can miss out on God's will is to be disobedient or to have your heart in the wrong place. And when you ask why God doesn't make it so clear to me, this is where it's hard to explain sometimes. Uh, You don't want to mess it up. God won't let you mess it up if you just be with Jesus. You see, God is teaching all of us, Anonymous, what it really means to walk by faith. It would be a lot more comfortable for us if God would send me an email every day and say, okay, this is a Tuesday, here's what I want you to do, uh, we could do that. We could make a list and cross the things off and, and our to-do, to-do list would be accomplished. But, but here's what God's trying to do. He's trying to get us to learn who he is and to trust him with where we're going so that we can walk by faith instead of by sight. And in the process, he's simply trying to help us mature. And, well... As I said, it would be nice to have a specific list of things that are in God's will today. Um, God hides some of those things from us so that we'll learn to trust him. If we're in the word, if we're men and women of prayer, and then if we just step out in faith and walk with Jesus, 
We can't miss his will. You know, Anonymous, it wasn't too long ago, a couple of weeks, I think, I had a question about whether somebody could miss the man or the woman that God has picked out for him. And and I said, if you're walking with Jesus, it's impossible to miss out on that, that man or that woman. Well, that same principle applies in every facet of our lives. Um, today, I can tell you, I'm in the middle of God's will. Um, if I uh, don't mess up tonight, if I get up in the morning and surrender my heart all over again to him and, 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 and make sure he knows he's in charge and I'm going to follow you, Lord, well, then I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be in his will tomorrow. And I think rather than looking at long-term anonymous, what God's will is, the way we find out what God's long-term will is just to day by day follow Jesus every day. Now, I hope that wasn't too complicated. If it is, it's my fault. But the idea here is you can't miss God's perfect will for your life if you're with Jesus. When we get in trouble, we do things our way. And I think a lot of times we want what God wants, but we want to accomplish it our way, and that's not a way that will ever work with the Lord. So uh, I think God's made it pretty clear. Jesus said, my sheep know my name. Uh, I, I call them by name. Or my sheep know me, my voice. I call them by name, and they follow me. And if you'll just do that, then you'll be in good shape. Here's a question from Bill, and I debated um, um, even answering this question or putting it on the program um, simply because I didn't know if anybody would be interested um, um, in the church, in the, in the, the radio program audience, about something going on here. Uh, but this is Bill. This question, by the way, is, is several days old now. Um, he said, Bill said, I listened to your message online from Sunday. That wouldn't be this Sunday, it'd be the Sunday before. What happened that caused you to be so direct and call for church repentance? Um, we, we actually had a pastor's discipleship class uh, a meeting uh, about these issues. Um, and um, uh, I just shared my heart with the people here at the church. Um, you know, Bill, our church has been famous worldwide, and that's no exaggeration for the, our love here. Um, uh, our church, I started the meeting this past Saturday by asking people, okay, what do you like the best about Calvary Chapel? I mean, this is your church. It's our church. What's, what's, where's the real value? And um, um, they were wonderful. And, and yet, what I told them, and this is what caused me to call for uh, a week of church repentance is our people, a lot of them, not, not all of them certainly, but, but too many. If it's one, it's too many, but this was, was too many. Uh, our people got caught up in the political issues in the church. Um, uh, you know, we, we've, we've had a, an election. Uh, tomorrow we will have a new um, cabinet, a new uh, administration. Uh, and uh, on social media, our people were sniping at one another. And I, I kept telling them, I said, look, these are people that you love, people that you've had to your homes. These are people that, that you pray for. And in a church famous for our love, you're devouring one another on social media. Now, I'm not on social media, so I only deal with the, the fallout. When people say, you should see what people are saying. And, and, and I, I just told them, we can't, we can't be used by God. 
We're going to forfeit our right to be used by God to the extent that he wants to use us if we can't love one another. And I took one whole message on a Sunday, uh, not this, not yesterday or two, two days ago, but the, but the week before that, and I told our church that unless we repent, um, we're unusable by the Lord. Individuals, we need to repent. The church as a whole needs to repent. I called for um, this past Saturday uh, uh, those who needed to come and repent um, publicly and to do it, to, to come and do it. We had a wonderful turnout at our Saturday morning prayer. Um, you know, Bill, there was no sin, um, no scandal. It was simply we'd forgotten to be grateful to God. We'd forgotten to love our brothers and sisters. And all that it took was an ugly political season where people's hopes are in a political party or a candidate instead of our hopes being in Jesus. So that's what happened. And it's really, really important. I think, uh, if, if you don't mind, we got nobody waiting on the line. Oh, I do have somebody waiting on the line. I'll come back to this. Let me go to somebody on the line. I don't want to keep people waiting. I've got Ryan from Bernie on line one. Ryan, I'm sorry for keeping you waiting. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron, i got a question for you. I attended a Bible study last week, and they were talking about meditation, and the subject came up about guided meditation. I didn't feel comfortable about it. I kind of asked questions about it in scriptural I think I might have ruffled a few feathers by asking it because we kind of seemed to get a little <laughs> uptight. But I was like, I just don't see it. And then I don't know if you've had any experience with it. What is it? Is it is it scriptural? And then they brought up some stuff about a Bema broadcast. I don't know if you've heard of that. Is it? I'm just trying to get some guidance as far as hey, okay, to increase my knowledge. Or hey, is that good to go like this? Or no, you guys are totally way off off course <laughs> with this. So if you could answer that yeah. question, I'll hang up and listen, sir. Thank you, Ryan. God bless you. And again, I apologize for keeping you. Uh, holding um, guided meditation, you know, D- David talks about the, the the meditations of his heart and the meditations of his mind being on the Word of God. That's good meditation. But guided meditation, Ryan, is something that you want to stay away from. It's new agey. Uh, that kind of stuff has been infiltrating the church for a long, long time. Um, especially some of the denominational churches are doing it. Uh, I don't know anything about it specifically. Um, uh, other than um, uh, it's contrary to what we're told to do as we meditate on the Word of God. Um, so so Eastern, um, the, the Eastern influence, the New Agey uh, slant is something that we're to avoid. And you know, uh, I'm going to follow Paul's advice. Be simple about that which is evil, wise about which is good. In other words, don't spend your time on that which is contrary to sound doctrine. And Ryan, that's just something that you need to uh, avoid altogether. I do it. Uh, I've had people write in on this program many, many times, ask about, uh, would you do an in-depth study on this or on that? And I just, no, no, no reason to do it. It's just not something that's healthy. If you want to meditate on your word, on the Bible, that's great. If you want to take a long walk with Jesus and talk to him, that's 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 great. Uh, but um, stay away from any of the Eastern or New Age influenced ideas about these things. And you will catch some heat for it. Uh, you know, people think they're doing something good. Uh, uh, so is a prayer. And there's other things that are, are, are similarly influenced. And um, you know what? While they're meditating with guides 
you can have your Bible open reading the Holy Scriptures. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it very, very much. Let me finish my comment um, in the two minutes that we got left uh, from Bill talking about uh, what happened in the church. It caused me to uh, call for church repentance. You know, th- th- this is a time where the church needs to be really be aware. Uh, I was sharing with my staff that um, uh, a, a year ago today, and, and when I was talking to them, I said, a year ago from this very day, our church was so loving. Our church was so full of joy. Our church, we had direction. And I said, you know, we run the risk of losing it. And all it took was a pandemic, um, a political season, um, the enemy who I'm beginning to really respect his power more and more, an enemy who's trying to stir up brother against brother and sister against sister. Um, and, and I said, we got trapped. We weren't on guard. Uh, isolation caused by, by quarantine. Um, you know, this, this ought to emphasize the value, the importance of staying close to Jesus. Whether we're in quarantine, out of quarantine, we're back at church and have been for, for a while, but, but you know, being in church doesn't save you. Jesus does. And so we need to be careful. We need to guard that which really matters to us with all that we've got. And, and Jesus will, will win in the end, but we've got to remember to love people. Without love, Paul says, we're just noisemakers. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't have time to call into the Word to Stand On for Life? No problem. If you've got questions, you can email them to Pastor Ron at PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the show 340-9585 before going on to the next question um, ryan uh, my, my producer said i didn't answer your second question about the bema Broadcast. Uh, the only thing I could find, um, I, I don't know anything about it, uh, but I, could, I found the Bema podcast. I'm assuming that's what you mean. It's a, a ministry directed to college students. And the information that they have on the website is so general that um, um, I, I, you can't really make any conclusion about it. Um, I would I'd just be really careful, really discerning, and it sounds like you are. So... Um, don't know anything about the people who are doing it, and I always worry when there's no statement of faith on on the uh, the podcast site. Here is a question from Lisa. Uh, she asks, "Will people from other religions go to heaven if they are sincere and just never got to hear about Jesus?" Lisa, uh, everybody hears about Jesus. Now that doesn't mean they have to hear with their ears. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. 
Day after day they pour forth speech. There's no nation or language where they're not understood. Uh, God's, the reality of God, a God, and then our God, uh, is clear to anybody who is seeking. Um, you know, when somebody who is a Buddhist or a Muslim or or uh, or any other religion, um, if they worship a God, then it's their responsibility to prove that he is God. You know, if 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 uh, Allah is God, then then um, what proof do they have besides the words of Muhammad and the Quran? But but you see, those are are easily um, proven false. Um, so again, it's their responsibility to seek out truth. There's nobody who has to go because of ignorance. Now. I've had the question many times about, well, what about somebody who just never hears about Jesus? You know, the pygmy in Borneo or, or in some other place. Um, you know, it's God's job to make himself known to people who are seeking him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently or earnestly seek him. Um, Jesus said, if, if you seek me, you will find me. And um, anybody who really wants to know the truth whether it's creation, whether it's conscience, Romans chapter 1. Um, if, you're, if you're really seeking the Lord, then you're going to find him. And so we don't have to worry about people who don't hear about Jesus because they're raised in another religion or because they're, 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 uh, uh, they've never heard the gospel being presented. So Lisa, we don't have to worry about them. Uh, there's only one way to heaven. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And if anybody wants to know who God really is, and if they're sincere in heart, the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts is a great example. He was uh, a convert to Judaism, uh, still new, but seeking God, uh, a God seeker. And God sent Philip away from a successful ministry in Samaria down to a desert road in Gaza. Um, just to make sure that he had his questions answered. God does stuff like that because he's looking to save people. So, Lisa, there's no way to get around it. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you respond to the light you're given, God will make sure you have more light and enough light to believe in Jesus Christ. So I hope that makes sense to you, Lisa. Thank you. Uh, this anonymous question says, Pastor Ron, do you think we will have jobs in heaven? Um, anonymous, we will, but I don't know what the jobs will be. You know, the Bible is, I think, intentionally vague on what heaven is going to be like, what the day-to-day um, existence is going to be like. Of course, we're going to live outside of time and space, but but uh, what we'll be doing. I, I know we won't be just floating around on a crowd waiting for little arrows from angelic cupids to hit us. Um, It's it's not like a a big, long church service uh, in heaven. But we know we're going to serve. We're called his servants. We're told that we're going to rule and reign with Christ in the millennium. And then in the new heaven and the new earth, then we'll all have things to do. Work is a good thing, a healthy thing. But remember, working in a curse-reversed creation is much different than the kind of work that we're talking about here. Um, in heaven, um, uh, even on the, 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 the earth in the thousand-year reign of Christ, um, it's going to be a, a just world. Uh, in heaven, a perfect world. 
And so, yeah, we will all serve. And again, the Bible, I think, is intentionally vague about what type of work it is going to be. I can tell you, Anonymous, it will not be boring. It won't be like going to a church service that never ends. Can you imagine having to listen to me on and on and on? That would be the other compartment, not 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 heaven. It'll be a wonderful place, um, more than we could, could could ever ask or imagine. Um, I know we'll be learning every day the secrets of of the universe and the universe's secrets and and um, just as Jesus reveals Himself to us. Uh, believe me, we will be in awe. Good question. Henry says, you had a question about Moses the other day. Now, this question is probably a week old. So, um, You had a question about Moses the other day, and it got me to wondering why he wasn't permitted to go in the Promised Land. After 40 years of faithful service, it seems harsh that he couldn't. Um, Henry, yeah, I get a lot of questions about Moses. Um, Moses uh, misrepresented God. You know, Moses was prepared in one wilderness for 40 years, for 40 more years in another wilderness, and he was actually God's voice. He was God's spokesman. He stood between God and the people. He's the one who delivered the messages that God gave him to the people of God. And God uh, told him to, to speak to the rock and water would come. The people were grumbling and complaining. And Moses just lost his temper. He lost his temper. He struck the rock twice. And God didn't punish the people. The water still flowed from it. But God called Moses aside and said, Okay, now you've done it. Took him out and showed him the promised land. But but said, Moses, you're not going to go. Now, here's the key for those of you who think that's harsh. Jesus talks about responsibility. He says, Do much is given, much is required. And the idea is much more is required. It's an increasing value. Very few men on the face of the earth had more given to them than Moses. And God is serious about how he's represented. And God needed to let Moses know. He needed to let Israel know. And by the way, he needs to let us know through their examples. Paul, writing to the church of Corinth, that these things are written as examples for us. And the idea here is that we need to know that God is very serious about how we represent him or, in this case, misrepresent him. Now, for every husband who's given the responsibility of being the spiritual head of their household, that's a heavy, heavy thing when you consider it. You are God's representative to the woman that he's given you and to the children that he's blessed you with. You're his representative. If you lose your temper, if you're not kind, if you're not demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit, God's going to take that very seriously and there's going to be a, a, a huge loss of, of rewards when you get to heaven. We go to work. We're representing God. If we, you know, cut corners, if we don't work for the money that we receive, if we're not good workers, hard workers... We're misrepresenting God. For all of us, not just men, but Henry, if we use foul language, we're misrepresenting God to a world that's lost and hurting and broken. 
And we humans, oh, you know, they're just words. It doesn't mean anyone. It's just the way people talk these days. God says, wait a minute, you're my representative. I don't talk like that. So those are the kind of applications that are very important for us to learn about Moses. Um, He served faithfully, but you can't misrepresent God and get away with it. You just can't. By the way, Henry, one other small thing. Moses did get to go in the promised land. He, he appears with Jesus and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. So don't feel too bad for Moses. Um, he's okay. <laughs> Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here's a question that I've been looking forward to. Ted says, I'm not yet a believer. What is the difference between you and me, and he's talking to me specifically, when we have the same evidence but I just haven't been able to believe yet. Well, Ted, I'm going to suggest two things. One is faith. Promises of God have no value unless they're combined with faith. We know that from Hebrews. Um, they perished in the wilderness. Though The Israelites did, though they, they, they had the same promises that Joshua and Caleb did, the, the same promises that the, the other Hebrews 11 uh, Hall of Fame of Faith um, um, participants had. But they didn't combine them with faith. You see, without faith, Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible to please God. And I want to please God. And so that means I've got to trust Him. And, and you, Ted, you're at this place where you've got the same evidence. You seem to be um, close to convinced that the evidence has merit. Um, you've got to want to not believe in order to, to, to disregard the, the evidence, the overwhelming evidence that Jesus Christ was a real person, that he was murdered, and that he didn't stay dead. The evidence is overwhelming. Additionally, um, nobody in the history of the world has had the impact on this world that Jesus has had. I mean, here we are 2,000 years after Christ, and we tell time based on his life. Before Christ, after Christ. We're 2,021 years. That, that's, that's really important. Nobody else has had that kind of impact. No other religious figure has impacted the multiplied billions of lives, transformed lives that believing in Jesus Christ has resulted in. So the evidence is overwhelming. So here's the difference between you and me. Uh, I was desperate enough, Ted, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I had nowhere else to turn. Maybe you still have somebody else to turn. Maybe you still aren't convinced that you can't fix things. Maybe you still think you've got the answers to the things that you're struggling with, that somehow you're going to find a way. But remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let me ask you to read John chapter 3. Gospel of John, it won't take you that long, one chapter. And before you start reading it, say, Jesus, if you're real, you show yourself to me in this chapter. And I believe, Ted, with all of my heart, he'll do that. Now, I said, I'm going to suggest a couple things. That was just one. Here's the other one. Ted, maybe you're just not done with sin yet. Maybe there's just something in your life that you're not ready to give up. And I'm telling you, that that thing, whatever it is, is separating you from 
knowing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it's separating you from eternity in, in, in heaven with God, it's separating you from a, a new life, a start over in life that can begin right now. But you see, Jesus is holy. Remember when Moses encountered Jesus in the burning bush, and that was Jesus in the burning bush. And the voice out of the bush said, Moses, take off your sandals for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. Well, Ted, coming to Jesus is holy ground. Now, we don't have to be holy to come, but we got to want to be. And that means we've got to get to the place where we recognize that sin has been devastating in our lives, not only to us, but to those who loved us and trusted us. We've got to get to that point where we say, Jesus, you're the only answer for sins. So I confess I'm a sinner. I'm not a good guy. I'm not a smart guy. I'm not somebody who does more good than bad. I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry. And then we got to come to him and say, you're in charge from now on. I'm not. And Ted, I have a sneaking suspicion that if you do that, you're going to believe. Now, I'm a hypocrite. I'll tell you that right now, Ted, because uh, I came to Jesus at my lowest possible point. I tried for years and years. You may have heard this story on the program. Paula prayed for me for 13 years. I didn't come to Jesus when I was at my best, right to the end, until everything was gone, until my life was absolutely devastated. I still thought I could fix stuff. That's how proud and how controlling I was. And finally, the Lord took me to a place where I was so low I had no other place to turn. And you know what? He was there to meet me, Ted. And so for me, it wasn't a real choice. I I, I knew I had to say yes. I knew I had to repent of my sin. And I knew he had to be in control of my life or I wasn't going to have a life. And I tell you that, Ted, because I don't want you to get that far down. God will take you that far down. But clearly the Holy Spirit is working on your heart and all you got to do now is admit the obvious. Confess that you're a sinner, ask for forgiveness, and then say, Jesus, I'm yours. We've got to do things his way. We come to him on his terms. We can come the way we are. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Thanks, Ted. Here is another Ted. I don't think it's the same one. Uh, What is the main difference between... Oh, maybe it is the same one. What is the main difference between religion and relationship when it comes to Jesus? Doesn't God want us to be religious? Um, Ted, I say to my church here all the time, I I say that that religion is a four-letter word. God hates religion. Read Isaiah chapter 1. Uh, read uh, uh, some of the things that he says to Ezekiel, to to Jeremiah. Um, but, but Isaiah chapter 1 is enough. Uh, your s- celebrations, your new moon festivals, your Sabbath uh, observations, my soul hates them, he says, because they were all about ritual, doing things. Well, I'll do this. Religion, Ted, is man's attempt to reach up to God. Relationship occurs when Jesus reaches down for us. That's so important. That's the main difference between religion and relationship. 
And the last thing God wants is anybody going through the motions. You know, I have people, um, you, you know, every every year, and we'll, we'll be coming up on it in not too distant future, um, the Lenten season prior to to uh, Easter, um, uh, people will be giving up stuff. Stuff they know is sin, stuff they know is bad for them. They'll give it up and they'll claim, I'm doing it for God. And they want to be justified. They want to be acceptable to God based on what they give up. God says, no, no, no. I want you as a living sacrifice. Religion is dead. It has no value. And yet we humans, we like the appearance of religion because it allows us to sin. It allows us to be independent of God. At the same time, we'll go through these accommodations for for God and, and somehow I'm clean. Uh, I went to a Catholic funeral some time ago and I watched these these guys who uh, were, were uh, obviously gangsters um, and yet, you know, they're cradle Catholics. They walk in to this Catholic church and uh, dipping their fingers in the holy water and crossing themselves and kneeling before the, 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 the altar, uh, before the cross. I'm just thinking, what do they think that does for them? doesn't do anything. God hates religion. So the main difference is religion doesn't work. Relationship with Jesus Christ is why he died. So Ted, if it's the same Ted and those questions, I hope you're getting close to Jesus Christ. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Bobby. Uh, he says, why did Jesus say Judas was the devil? Um, I don't think he said Judas was the devil, um, but the devil was in him. Remember, Satan entered Judas uh, at the at the upper room when, when Jesus said, one of you has betrayed me. The devil had already entered into Judas at that point. He'd betrayed His fate is sealed. He's the son of perdition, doomed uh, from the beginning of time. Uh, and so he, Judas was Judas, but Judas was inhabited by the devil to his own destruction. So that's why he said that. Anonymous wants to know, if someone leaves God, will God take him back? Anonymous, God will take you back in a minute. In fact, that's why he died. That's why he died. I'm assuming that you had a relationship with God. You gave your heart to Jesus Christ and then you've fallen away and now the enemy is trying to convince you God would never take you back. If you confess your sins, to confess is to agree with God about your state of, of, of life. He will be faithful to purify you from... He'll forgive your sins and, and purify you from all unrighteousness and you'll be right back with Jesus. Let me say one other thing, Anonymous. That's exactly what God wants to do. He died to wait for you. Luke chapter 15, read the parable parable of the prodigal son. You are now, having left God, a prodigal. And God is scanning the horizon, waiting for you to come back. And when somebody writes a question like this, they're wanting to come back. Just come back to Jesus. It's what he wants to do. Anonymous if you need help, you call the church office here at 658-8337. You can email questions at calvarysa.com. 
We'll get somebody to contact you, give us contact information. We want you to be sure that you know God is eager to take you back. And in fact, right now, you could make his day. He'd say, I died for this. I've been waiting for you. And life changes. Last question from the, of the day. This is from Tom. He says, Pastor Ryan, before you said that believers and unbelievers all go through the same things and the same trials, but God spared Israel and not the Egyptians when the death angel came by. Um, Tom, uh, everybody goes through trials. Um, that's obvious experientially, but it's also obvious uh, in, um, in our Bibles. Now, you're a little confused uh, with the death angel because all of the firstborn in Israel would have died when the death angel came by. The only ones that were spared were those who door, whose doorposts were covered by the blood of, of, of the lamb. And, and the, the death angel would pass over. That's why it's called the Passover. The death angel would pass over those homes and the firstborn of Israel were spared because the, the, the people of Israel were obedient. The Jews in Egypt were obedient. Had a Jew who, let's say there was a Jew, we've been enslaved for 400 years, God's forgotten us, I don't, I don't believe him, I'm not going to trust him. Uh, and if he had not gone putting blood over the, the doorpost himself, then their firstborn would also die. So the judgment came on every firstborn in Egypt, except those whose doorposts were covered by the blood of the Lamb. Now, obvious, the picture is that we're all condemned. John chapter 3 says we're all born condemned, and we're all going to die, spiritually and physically, but spiritually is in view here, unless we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, they went through it. Imagine how horrible it was. Paula talks about this a lot. Um, if you were in Egypt, you'd hear the, the wailing and you would hear the, 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 the eerie silence of death all around you. Um, you're in this house and your door cover is covered with blood, but you're, you're probably sitting thinking, I hope this works, I hope this works. It would be terrifying. But they went through it. But they were spared from it by the blood. It is exactly the same way that we're spared our spiritual death. It is the blood of Jesus. So, Tom, everybody goes through the same stuff. We got people in our church who are um, sick and suffer a lot, just like unbelievers do. It's just the fallen world that we live in. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.